0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to Stick to Football. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Matt and Mello are on a little vacation up in Boston where they'll be having a meetup this weekend. But we did bring you a lot of content this week in advance because all three of us got to spend some time and interview not one, but two NFL players for the show today. And that'll be Nick Chubb from the Browns. He was absolutely awesome. A lot of excitement around the Browns going into this training camp coming up this summer, and we got to talk to him about that, what it was like bouncing back from his tough knee injury and having a really, really successful rookie season, his reaction to the Kareem Hunt signing, his reaction to Odell Beckham now being a part of that Cleveland Browns offense, which is going to be electric, and a cool little story about his first time seeing Baker Mayfield since they played in college from when they were teammates on the Browns. So, and then we also got to talk to Quincy Wilson from the Colts, who is, you know, now has two years in the league, but he's still only 22 years old. So we talked about adapting to the NFL, what it's like being under two different coaching staffs. Now his relationship, not just with Andrew Luck, but the entire team and, Once again, another young franchise that there are deep playoff aspirations at at a minimum right now. And he was really great to spend some time with. And all three of us also answered your draft on draft questions for this week. So it's going to be a really fun show. Before we get to that stuff, going to go around the league here. If you missed it, the tailgate tour schedule is officially live. Just to do a rundown here, we are going to start the tour September 7th at Texas, LSU versus Texas, one of the best out-of-conference games in the entire country. So that's going to be a ton of fun in Austin. We're all going to be there. We're all going to be ready to party and go. Week two, we are going, and I'm not going on the road. The guys will be going on the road because it is Monday night football here. The New York Jets host the Cleveland Browns. Yes, we are going to have NFL games on the tour. So Monday night football is our second stop or for me down the road. Our third stop, Madison, Wisconsin, because Michigan is coming to town. It is going to be one of the biggest parties we have all year there. Probably the college game I am personally the most excited for because I think the atmosphere is going to be pretty amazing out there. So if you're looking for a college game and you are looking to you know, be in that Midwest kind of area and you have to travel, I would say circle that one on your calendar and get ready to go. Our fourth stop, as we look here, Oklahoma versus Texas in Dallas. This is the Red River Showdown. Uh, We couldn't miss this one, obviously, right in the middle of the State Fair. It's going to be really crazy. The guys are Longhorns fans. I might be a troll root for Oklahoma. We'll see. But once again, this is going to be absolutely mayhem. We're going to keep you updated with all the details of where these tailgates are going to be. Some of them might actually be hosted in bars. Some of them, of course, will be our traditional tailgates. So as we get the details and all of the plans of these, we will keep you updated on the locations because the next one, overseas, we are going to London. It is the Rams versus the Bengals. We are excited to meet all of our UK listeners, all of our Euro listeners that will make the trip out there. It's it's going to be really crazy our our buddy Adam Lefko who also works here at Bleacher Report from the Lefko show is going to be joining us so it's going to be a stick to football Lefko show crossover and it is going to be mayhem. So one of our last stops here LSU at Alabama. We did not go to Tuscaloosa last year so we had to put this on the calendar and of course this is always a really really crazy game now that LSU has been really building back up over these years and right in the thick of things in the SEC. So we will be at Alabama this year. There's a lot of talent for us to see there. They have a guy named Tua who might be the number one overall pick and they have a guy named Grant Delpit who might might be the best player in the country over there at LSU. So our last stop here for now, unless we add some more. Now there are some rumors that there might be some more NFL stops on the tour. I can't give anything away yet. There might be a surprise addition or maybe even two We will keep you posted on that. But right now, the official last stop is November 23rd, West Coast, our first Pac-12 stop in the last two years here. We are going to Cal at Stanford. We will be at Stanford. So if you're on the West Coast, Right now, that is the game you are going to want to go to. It is a loaded tailgate tour schedule. Like I said, we might not be done yet. We will keep you posted on all of the details there, and it is going to be a really fun time. So let us know where you're going to be, what you want to do, what you want to see here. Obviously, live shows. We hope to have guests at all these. So the tailgate tour is back, and I really do believe it will be better than ever. A couple news and notes around the league. The Lions about to have two very interesting potential holdouts here between Darius Slay and Snacks Harrison. They will at least skip Lions mini camp right now. So that is a mandatory mini camp, which makes this very interesting. I think when you look at Slay, he's somebody that's been one quietly one of the best corners in football right now. 2017 first team all pro selection, two Pro Bowls. It seems like he's only been getting better. And he's 28 years old, and he won't turn 29 till the end of the season. So if any of these two have a chance to get their contract reworked for me personally, it's slay. I think I look at his argument there and it's not that he's not making good money, but when you talk about somebody being in their prime, wanting their contract kind of reset here, I understand it. And I I don't blame him. Snacks Harrison is an interesting one because he is now 30 years old. I think when they acquired that player, they probably really liked the contract. He was on at, at the back end of his prime here. He's still one of the best run stuffers in the league, but uh, and he's on a great value contract. When you look at $6.7 million this year, $9 million in 2020, I'm very curious to see if they want to give him more money because I think part of that addition was knowing the value of that deal. So the Lions are already, you know, kind of an interesting start for them because those are two of their best pieces on the defensive side of things. You know Matt Patricia is going to want those guys ready to go, and we're going to see how much they're willing to pony up or how long this thing will go on. Over in the AFC, the Jets have wrapped up their GM interviews. Joe Douglas from the Philadelphia Eagles is still considered the front runner by many, but it's all quiet right now. I believe Adam Gase to kick off their mandatory minicamp says he was in on all the interviews, but much of that decision will be left up to Chris Johnson, who is running things right now with Woody Johnson over as an ambassador in the UK. So when it comes down to it, Douglas still the favorite champ Kelly was interviewed after him. It's going to be curious to see how the jets build out that front office. And if this thing is wrapped up, you would expect by the end of the week, but it's clear that they are in no rush at all. All right, we're going to take a break after this. You're going to hear us talk to Nick Chubb. Once again, one of our really best interviews in a while, he was awesome. And then Quincy Wilson, who was great as well well. And then we'll get to your draft on draft questions.
1: Guys, I'm super excited to have Nick Chubb on the phone with us because I am a gigantic Frank Gore fan. As Melo knows, he'll be in the hall of fame. And Nick Chubb is just the next Frank Gore. So very excited to get you on the phone, Nick. Thanks for joining us, dude. Oh yeah, no
2: problem. Thanks for having me.
1: I came in with a compliment because we were teasing uh, before we hit record that I was a little low on you in the pre-draft process, which I like to try to own to people. So I just want to apologize. Not that my opinion matters, but I was way too low on you. And I honestly thought like, man, this guy's been hurt and it's a deep running back class and holy crap, I was wrong about you, dude. So congrats (laughs) on uh, making me look dumb, but also just a hell of a rookie season, dude, where uh you know, folks, you're talking about you as one of the most exciting running backs, young running backs in the NFL this year.
2: Yeah, man, it's, it's been a long journey, and, I, mean, I I don't really pay much attention to it, but I heard all the things, the talks, the whispers about, you know, me not being as high on God's draft board, but just so, it's just up to my motivation. You know, you have a right to your being, have a right to mine, so I'm just going to keep working hard as, I, hard as I can and keep striving and keep getting better and keep proving people wrong.
3: Yeah, that's definitely the mentality to have and I think a lot of the questions coming around uh, the people that doubted you at least from one guy who's had a terrible knee injury to another, what was that moment like? Because I mean, watching the game, you absolutely destroyed your knee, the recovery uh, going through that mentally walk us through that moment in your life.
2: Yeah, it's definitely the toughest thing I've been through, not only physically but even more mentally just because the uncertainty of what's coming next. So I had no idea what happened when it happened but I soon realized I threw everything in my knee but my ACL. And never going through any kind of injury. It was tough for me and my family, but I just held on, stayed strong, and kept working.
0: It's been an amazing return, and you were really in a, with a special group there at Georgia. At one point, that running back room, you, Sony, obviously the guy up next now with Swift and Elijah Holyfield when he was there. How? What was that running back room like? like how was it challenging each other? all now really expected to be top NFL players. That's an incredible group on the same team.
2: Yeah, it is, man. It was, it was so fun, too, just be able to play with those guys, and compete with them every day in practice. But I mean, looking back at it, man, it was a time that I should do miss now just being around just a great group of guys. And, you know, Sony, he's definitely one of my best friends now, and I see him all the time. We still hang out. And it was just fun to compete with him. And my freshman retired early and Keith Marshall. And it's It's great to just keep it going.
1: Yeah, man. And speaking of uh, big running back rooms, you have one now in Cleveland, too. You've got yourself. uh, We'll see what happens with Duke Johnson. But the Browns added Kareem Hunt. What was your reaction like when you got the alert or the text that Kareem Hunt was coming to join the Browns?
2: I was excited. I couldn't wait to play with him and learn from him and just kind of pick his brain. And I mean, for me, I've always been that backfield with someone else. So it's nothing new to me. I enjoy it. That's what I like. So. It helps me out in the long run. And at the end of the day, we're on the same team. So it's not much, you know, hatred and all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to play with him. I
3: respect that. I got to ask about another teammate of yours because I think everybody, all of our listeners, they know I am leading the Baker Mayfield fan club. I don't know that there's a guy on this earth that I love more than him. Uh, and that's heavy, heavy sarcasm. I don't like Baker Mayfield. <laughs> but what was it like for you? And Yeah. What was it like for you the first time that you met him?
2: Well, you know, me and bigger we got a little history because we played in the Rose Bowl against each other. So mm-hmm. uh, we ended up beating them, too. So you know he was a little salty. I think he was just hot in the year. <laughs> uh, we kind of ruined that and sent them home early. But we ended up getting beaten next week, so it's, it's all good. But, yeah, um, I mean, the first time I actually met him was at, at the Browns training camp. And we were in the same – we ended up being in the same hotel room. So it was kind of awkward just – Cause last time I seen him, you know, he was probably crying or something. I see him. <laughs> that's
3: fantastic. Like,
2: it's all good, man. Baker's really cool, and I love playing with him. He's such a great person. He'll do anything for you. He's his energy is what what keeps the team up because we're all we love we all love playing for him and um just protecting him and you know just being by his side.
0: So unlike Baker, you played in the the real conference, and that's the SEC. How much of, uh, how hard was that transition going from the SEC to the NFL? Cause we've asked guys in the past, like Leonard Fournette and stuff. And they're like, man, at running back, it, it wasn't that much different for me.
2: Yeah, I man, that's true. I mean, as just a ball carrier, it's not much difference at all. Cause I mean, it's just, if you're a running back, if you don't got it, you just, you just don't have it. And that's one thing that separates running backs from other positions. But other than just running the ball, uh, the hardest thing was pass protection and, um, actually I have to become more of a, a receiver because in college I mean I got away with not doing anything. I let I let Sony and Swift <laughs> do all the kicks. Just, He's <laughs> just giving me the ball and I just so that's probably the biggest thing, the biggest difference for me from college to NFL.
1: That was actually I pulled up my scouting report on you. That was one of the few negatives I had, was the knee injury uh, and then that you hadn't caught the ball a lot coming out of the backfield. Was that something you had to learn to do? Or is it more like you said, when you have Sony and Swift, you're like, fuck it, I ain't catching the ball. Let the, those guys do it. But you that was a skill that you actually had.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. You know? Even in high school, I mean, I've always been a great runner that it was either, it made more sense to hand me the ball than throw it to him. You know what I mean? So just that carried on to college, too. And then in college, when you have guys who are, are much better at it, you know, it's not really point to. You know, put much time into me to do that when you have guys that have been doing it their whole life. So we kind, of, we kind of just played our role in college for the most part. But as a catcher, I mean, it's something I still need to work on and something that I am getting better at. But it's well, just it's not very natural to me.
3: Well, you do have a guy on your team that it is very natural for, and that's Odell Beckham. What was your reaction when you heard that trade? Because I think he's one of the best receivers in the NFL, getting him in Cleveland. Where did you hear that news and how did you react to it?
2: Well, yeah, my um, actually I was at home. Georgia, my brother kind of, he showed me a little um, notification on his phone that said Browns, you know, I've got Odell Beckham. I thought, you know, what I thought it was fake. That stuff happened so much. And I'm like, man, that's no way that's real. And then I go to the, the social media and I see our guys tweeting and he's tweeting and things like that. And then I was like, wow, we really got the best receiver in the NFL. And I mean, I, just, I don't know. I guess I don't have to catch no more after all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So now your coach is head coach. Now is Freddie Kitchens. You obviously have a ton of experience with him last year, though being in that running backs room. And then when he started calling plays, is there a little a uh, little ribbing between you two? Him being an Alabama guy, or or is it all is it all friendly right now between you guys?
2: <laughs> oh no. Man, if you let him tell, you, you know, he always had something slick to say. He always said "If I would have played better in high school, I probably would have got offered by Alabama." He, he loves saying that.
0: Oh my god! And he brings
2: up you know, the national championship and all that. Man, it's, it's all good. In the end of the day, I'm glad to be a dog and <laughs> we're on the same team now, so I, I let it slide.
1: Man, just point out to him that all the Alabama running backs have failed in the NFL, you know? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah Trent Richardson with <laughs> Alabama, dude, or, you know, I mean, that one hurts me personally because I really like Trent Richardson, but that's all right.
2: Yeah, I, I, like, I like him too.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. So one thing we do with all our guests, and I think you're going to have fun with this, is we play a game called Word Association, and it's really easy. We just say a name or a word, and you give us, like, the first thing that comes to your mind. Sounds easy, right? <laughs>
4: Yeah, it sounds easy. Sound, yeah, <laughs>
1: right? So, okay, first up, uh, and I like to do this because I get to cherry pick, Nick Saban.
2: Chippy chips. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right,
3: what about John Dorsey? Bubble gum. <laughs> Ooh, yep. Yeah. Uh,
0: RBU. Who is RBU?
2: That's Georgia, no doubt.
1: All right, University of Florida. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> and, and like, I want to pause for a second. Do you guys still consider them a rival? You know, like it used to be, like the world's greatest cocktail party, all that. But like, they have been so down. Is Florida still a rival for Georgia?
2: I mean, they definitely are, you know? especially for me. Because I mean, those guys beat me three years out of out of four. But things have come around now, and I mean, it's, it's still year to year. Man, SEC, you really, you really, you really can't go off the past. I man, it's, it's next year, next thing.
3: All right, let's go. Let's keep it going. I want to see Kirby Smart. What do you have to say about him?
2: Hungry. That man never stops. He's trying to get better, and man, he won't stop. He's the best, and he's. I mean, I never seen him on the work. So, I never seen him work as hard as him and as, as as passionate as he is.
3: A lot of people use that word to describe me too. It's not about my
0: work ethic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Thank you.
0: All right, uh, last one from me. DeAndre Swift.
2: Shit, his last name, Swift. Oof, right? <laughs> yeah. That man's so smooth. The thing he cuts, he makes is like I've never seen that in my life. He can make a 90-degree cut and just go a whole different direction so fast and so smooth.
1: Yeah, we are excited to see him play this year. I got one that's kind of long-winded. So, best Georgia quarterback prospect. You got Jake Fromm, Jacob Easton, and Justin Fields. Of those three, who are you taking for the NFL?
2: Um, they ain't gonna put me in this position. <laughs> <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm sorry. So, that's tough. I'm, I'm gonna do a process of elimination. I can't say Justin Fields. I never played with him, but I played with Easton and Fromm. And I mean, they're both, they're both great quarterbacks, they're a little different. You know, Easton can sling it, you know, so far and make the big plays, but Fromm can too. He's also very smart. He led our team and national championship, championships. So I gotta go with Fromm.
3: I'm just glad that you actually played the
1: game and you took one of them. Yeah, so right. Thank you. Everybody's always like, yeah, let's not do it. Yeah. All right, man. We appreciate your time. Uh, like I said, you landed and called us, which is huge. We appreciate it. You come back on anytime you want, and we'll, we'll talk trash about Baker together. All right? All uh,
4: right. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, thanks Nick.
1: All right, fellas. Uh, I don't know if you all remember this, but my number one corner in the 2018 draft class was not uh, some of the, it wasn't Denzel Ward. It was this guy, Quincy Wilson, coming out of Florida. Dude, uh, I'm not just buttering you up. I loved your game uh, for the Gators. So smooth. Uh, your technique was pro-ready. So I am excited to get you on the show, mostly so I can kiss up and you'll like my tweets and things after this. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, man. So how much... Uh, what is life like for you now? Because obviously at Florida, you were coming out of a secondary that was just churning out pro players like left and right. You know I mean? Verna Hargraves was there. Tease Tabor, uh, obviously Marcus May. Florida has had some amazing players in the secondary. But then you go to Indianapolis. Uh, how much was of a problem? Was that transition for you or was it one at all?
4: It was a little bit. I mean, when I first got there, um, I didn't really know what to expect. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but I mean, as as time went on, I, I finally figured it out, and, I mean, it's a lot of work. You know, you, it's literally all day from 6 a.m. to sundown. I mean, literally just football, and, like, I just finally understand that, and it's, it's going pretty well for me.
3: Yeah, Obviously, you had a pretty good year here. Uh, you faced a lot of good receivers in the SEC. You faced a lot of talent in the NFL. Who's the best receiver that you've ever been matched up with?
4: In the NFL, or
3: either way, even if it is a guy from the SEC,
4: um, I mean, if I know because the, the best guy I ever went against was uh, Calvin Ridley from from Bama. That's probably the best the best guy I've ever been against, uh, probably in the league. Um, I could probably say the couple snaps I'm lined up against Hopkins is definitely the the best receiver I've I've been against.
0: All right. So right now we're seeing all these quarterbacks doing uh, the beer chug challenge. Basically every time they're on camera, they're all chugging beers. Do you want to get in the mix with this and show them what's up? Like, how would you do if, if the camera got put on you at a game?
4: You know, I've actually never had beer and I'm not just what? saying that I've never, I've never, I've never drank beer. Like I literally never, never had it. Just
0: So you might be a natural.
4: I, I, I might be. <laughs>
1: I don't think so. I remember the first time I had beer; I thought it was like earwax. It was like melted. It was not good. So, and I like it a lot now. You've never had a yeah, so Do you drink alcohol or just?
4: Yeah, I do. I do sometimes. Just I don't know. I just never went the beer route. I don't
1: know. So you're one of those people that's like Even in, in shape in college. Yeah, yeah. You nah, have for sure. You have abs. You know. Yeah.
4: All, yeah. yeah.
1: All that. I remember those days. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, how would your quarterback do though? Like, do you think Andrew Luck would be good at it?
4: I think low key he might. Yeah, he's. I kinda... think he really might. Like, if you put the camera on him, he might kill it. Just because.
3: There's not much he's not bad at. Like, I know that he's kind of a dork and he gets some flack for that, but he's pretty damn good at everything he does. What is he like though, as like a person in the locker room to just interact with?
4: Uh, he's pretty cool, man. I mean, uh, what, what you see is what you get. I mean, what what you guys see of him on TV. If that's exactly how he is, you know. We make we crack jokes at him sometimes, you know. He walks around with the whole flip phone and everything, but <laughs> uh, when when you know when you get to know him, like in the locker room, he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, we all love him. He's great to make conversation with, and just he's he's a really good guy. I think so.
0: When you got drafted and entering your first training camp, I believe you were just twenty years old, which is crazy to come into the NFL that young. Is there a different confidence level going into year three? I mean, you're still only 22 right now, but is there a different confidence level this year?
4: Yeah, for sure. Because um, I know coming in, I was just so young and just just wanted to learn, and there was definitely a whole bunch of stuff I had to learn. And I just feel like being that I'm only 22 and I know so much now, there's definitely a different confidence because those guys, it took them longer to, to learn that. And I feel like I'm just more mature and, and just ready to get the ball rolling.
1: What I, I read previously that, and I don't think it's a secret, I'm not trying to like be critical, but that you kind of struggled your, your coming in and your rookie year. And I saw an interview where you had said that, that Mike Mitchell saved your season and kind of helped you figure things out. How influential was he and, and what did he do to help you uh, kind of figure out what you needed to, to do to be an NFL player?
4: The main thing he really helped me with was just my attitude, my everyday attitude, um, just coming in the building every day and being a yes-sir, no-sir guy, you know what I'm saying? Just uh, whatever the coaches wanted wanted me to do, just do it. Don't have a bad attitude, even if I didn't like it, because, you know, they could just be testing you or whatever. So just anything that the coaches threw at me, uh, I was just like, yes, sir, and just went ahead and did it. And then in the long run, it, it worked out for me, you know. They saw my attitude change, and they saw that I was able to handle different things and more, um, and more stuff on my plate. So it just really changed. It really did change my season.
3: And how much did the coaching change affect that too? Going from Chuck Pagano to Frank Wright, was there any uh, change there that helped you out specifically with your game or your attitude?
4: Um, I think the the scheme, a defensive scheme, definitely changed. We play a lot more zone, and you know it's easier to make. I wouldn't say easier, but I mean I think some corners like myself, when you when you can see the quarterback and see the ball come out, you can make more plays. You know, playing all that man coverage, you have half a second to turn around and make a play but now we we play more zone and and just there's more opportunities to get get your hands on, on the football
0: i'd say there's been more hype this year going into this season that you guys are a legit super bowl contender there's a lot of excitement you've added so many good pieces over these last two or three years what's the atmosphere there like right now with the colts uh
4: we definitely have a lot a lot of confidence um last year you know we were young um, we didn't really know what to expect, and now we know what we got, and we're just we're just excited to keep working every day and 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 get to to training camp and and get the season get the season going.
1: When you look at that group that you guys have in the secondary, I mean, y'all added uh, Rocky Sin in the draft. Um, there's obviously Malik Hooker was a first round pick. You were a second round pick. There's some really good players in that secondary now. Is that something you guys feel like is uh, a strength of this team? You know, we've seen that before with like the Legion of Boom. Um, it, you know, obviously fueling a team to a, a long postseason run. What is the the vibe like in that secondary room when you guys are all in there?
4: Oh, it's good, man. You know, because we, we we all know we're good. You know, we got, we got Pierre and everyone saw what he did last year. We got Kenny, we got Nate, we got Hook. You know, so we all just really just believe in ourselves. You know, Clayton and and Matthias and 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 we just had it rock, and he's been looking well in OTA. So you know, we're just excited to. And it's a it's a room where we all can compete and get better and, and the the better we play, you know what I'm saying, it just it's just gonna be good for
3: us. You know, the competition really brings out the best in all of us. So we all cover the draft and we don't really get to sit down and watch it, but what is it like for you as a player? Is it something that you sit down and you think, Well, I gotta watch it, I wanna see who we pick up, or do you just go about your day regular style and then you just find out later who you guys picked?
4: Oh, no, for sure. You for sure want to know who we pick, who we pick. You know, I was watching it. I saw when we traded out the first round and everything, but uh, yeah, I definitely um, watched it and wanted to know who we picked because I'm, I'm, I'm part of the team. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to know who we, who we got and, and if if they can play or not.
0: All right. So one thing we do with every guest on the show, we play word association. We're just going to throw a word or a phrase at you and you say whatever comes to mind first. So, the first, I think this is an easy one for you. This first one, but DBU. Oh, uh, University of Florida! Come on now.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I thought. Man, I mean, are you being a, are you being unbiased there? LSU's look good. Ohio State, you got you got a hook there. Ohio State's had some first rounders. Sorry, I'm I'm not playing the game right. All right, I got another one for you, man. Um, what about FSU? Oh
4: man, I hate them. Everything about it, I have. I literally have no friend. If you go to FSU, I literally like we're not friends. Like I just know one in my phone that I have made conversation with from Florida State. Like if you go to Florida State, we're just not cool. It just can't be cool. Not like it's, there's no questions ask.
1: I was gonna ask if there are any FSU players on your team, but they've been really bad lately, so I don't think there are.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think we have any, to be honest.
3: Now, I love I the know. fact that you hate that rivalry because as a Texas fan, I hate all these OU guys that come through here. And then you'll see them on Twitter, like liking each other's tweets and stuff. Like, I'm not with it. I want that rivalry that, no, I'm not going to talk to you. But what about an, a, another rival that you have? What about Georgia? Uh,
4: Georgia, I don't really care about Georgia. You know, in my three years there, we smacked them. So they don't, they're don't. Really, <laughs> really not even a factor. No, not at all.
0: Man, so I just checked the roster with a quick college sort. There is not a single Florida State player <laughs> on the Colts roster. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough go for them for a while now. All right, uh, next one up here, Deshaun Watson.
4: Deshaun Watson, I mean, he's an electric player. I love, uh, watching the game is just it's, it's exciting to watch and, you know, getting prepared for him. It's just it's it's a headache because he can throw it. He can he can he's literally a a, a running back at quarterback. So I mean, it's fun to to figure him out and and and, and play him twice a year for sure.
1: How about Tom Brady? Uh, I I think he's the greatest of all time. What's your your quick thought on Brady?
4: I think he is also. You know, watching him, you know, he just can make reads so fast and get the ball out of his hand, So um he's like it's like he's never wrong like wherever he puts wherever he throws the ball he's never wrong so i really feel like that's why he's the best and it's hard to get a jump on him and he's been in the game for so long that he already knows what what what, what the defense is thinking and what they're trying to do and he could check into the right calls right plays so definitely one of, definitely the best
3: another guy who's almost never wrong is chris ballard your gm
4: yeah i think so that I mean my my three years now I mean I, I, I love the guy I mean he makes a lot of good decisions um and I just I really like him as a GM and that's my guy
0: yeah what was that like when he called you Chris Ballard because we got to see some behind the scenes this year and it it just seems different with him I don't know he just seems like he knows what he's doing more so than almost anyone in the NFL
4: yeah I think so I mean um when he called me, you know, I was just so excited to finally get my name called cuz you know I thought I was going in the first round. So when he called me, I was just so excited to like man, just hurry up and let's let's make it official. And um just from that day on, I feel like he just really cares about the players and he really knows what he's doing with each and every player on the team and and where where the team's headed and just the future is bright for us.
3: All right, last question here. I'm looking at your schedule. You guys got a lot of big games this year. I actually want to ask a favor of you because in week two of the preseason, you play the Cleveland Browns. Would you please hit Baker Mayfield as hard as you can for me?
4: Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll definitely try to do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> corner blitz <laughs> in the preseason. Yeah, corner blitz. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we definitely make that happen. Arthur, have you looked at the schedule and thought, like, Okay, we play the Chiefs. Like I'm going to have to deal with that. Like do you do you look that far in advance?
4: Yeah, I definitely seen the schedule. I know, um we're definitely excited for it. We got a lot of primetime games, so yeah, it's definitely something that we're looking forward to. There's a lot of good receivers that are on that on that uh on the schedule, too, this year. So it's going to be something really to look forward to.
1: Damn, you're right. I'm looking at the schedule. You have, like, yeah. every good receiver in the NFL. We'll
4: li- yeah, we we'll literally have all of them.
1: Yeah, that's going to be fun. You have the the Chargers, yeah. the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, Damn, the Raiders. All right, dude, it's going to be a fun yeah. season. No, we're looking forward to it, dude. I-, I know that, like, this year, last year, I feel like you guys were kind of the, the underdogs, the Cinderella's. This year, there's a target on your back. So I think it's going to be fun for you guys. Um, especially with everybody healthy. So good luck to you. We appreciate your time, man. And, and thanks for coming on.
4: Yeah, no problem. Thank you, guys.
1: All right, boys, some draft-on-draft draft in this interview-heavy show. Flair Jim, a lot of iTunes reviews this week, guys. Who's the best non-Power 5 prospect for the 2020 draft, and which NFL team do they fit best? Ooh, that fit best is tough because we're still so
3: early, and I think... You know, you don't know what teams you're going to need, and defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators are going to change over. I will. I want to take this guy first. I'm going to go Kendall Vildor out of Georgia Southern. I think we could have cheated, and I could have like I saw a lot of Notre Dame guys on my list, oh. but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go Georgia Southern, the cornerback there. Had a great junior year. Uh, I hope that he's a guy that we can see at the Senior Bowl. Uh, very productive last year. Maybe a little bit undersized. I I had him at 5'11", 180 is what I found. But maybe he puts on a little more weight this year. Uh, a, a corner I'm really looking forward to seeing play, though.
0: Well, I, I will cheat gladly and take Tommy Kramer from <laughs> Notre Dame. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's interesting when we go through the non-Power 5 guys. It seem, It seems like we find them as we're watching over summer, besides maybe the amount you can count on one hand that are on your, your early, early top 50 watch list. And I think I look at Kramer, obviously a senior offensive lineman. He's somebody that's already appeared in mock draft Monday for us. So I'll
1: keep an eye on somebody like him right now. I, I want to go to Utah State and call out two guys. Quarterback Jordan Love, obviously, I'm a great athlete. For sure. I want to see what he can do. But then their linebacker, David Woodward, 6'2", 230. Uh, he's someone to absolutely keep an eye on. So Utah State is going to be, I think, fairly well represented next year. And we talked about this on the Friday morning show, I think it was, Mello. I really like Houston quarterback De'Eric King. Coming back healthy in yeah. Dana Holgerson's offense. I want to see what he can do.
3: Yeah, I want to see that arm. Too. like I, I know what he can do as a scrambler uh, and getting out of the pocket. I want to see him throw with good arm strength and accuracy. Uh, obviously, size doesn't matter to the NFL anymore. I think that he's another guy who could, I'm not saying he will, but he could have that Baker Mayfield-type season, that Kyler Murray, where he kind of comes out of almost nowhere. But I, I think he could have a Heisman run, and I just want to see his arm and see if it's really good NFL talent.
1: This is a fun one. Trav Alex, 1793, another iTunes review question. Connor talking Pat White made me think, who are some of the best players who were just before their time? If you don't say Peter Warrick here, we're not brothers. That's always (laughs) the one. I love Peter Warrick.
3: Uh, Obviously, he works. I think you also have to say Vince Young. I think Vince Young, if he comes into the league in 2016, instead of 2006, he's probably uh, still playing and playing at a very high level because – teams would have worked with him i also feel like that fit with jeff fisher was never a good fit i think playing in steve mcnair's shadow was never a good fit so if you there are a lot of reasons why he failed and a lot of those are his own fault too i think vince young also has to be on your list shit i think it's reggie bush
0: oh, i mean my one. god yeah. could you imagine him as tariq cohen right now in the league it'd be like Tariq cohen on roids yeah absolutely ridiculous it would He'd be like 100 Christian McCaffrey. A year. yeah there you go. That's actually the perfect yeah. comparison of who he'd be, Christian McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, Peter Wark's yeah. always my go-to, be, just because of his uh, his speed in space was so amazing. All right, he didn't the have like an elite catch.
3: forty time, if I right. remember right. I wasn't scouting when Peter Wark came out. I, I mean, I was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but his agility and like his return ability, he was one of my favorite players to watch. I was kind of a Florida State fan
1: back when he was there. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. We could do a whole show on that. John P. 25, another from iTunes. Why is it that the Chiefs received so much flack over Kareem Hunt and the Tyree Kill incident, but the Browns received none for bringing Hunt in so soon after released? Uh,
3: yeah, I have no idea, so I hope somebody can tell me. I don't know. Because as a Chiefs fan and a, a guy that sees it from kind of both the media side and the fan side of it, uh, I think everybody applauded them and how they handled the situation with Kareem Hunt. But there was no backlash from the Browns picking him up. And I think that's why we've seen the Chiefs not go ahead and just cut Tyreek Hill. I agree because with that. Yeah. They uh, could have had Kareem Hunt back after eight games and there was no backlash from social media, from any of the fans all they did was talk about how great the signing was for the Browns. That's how quick the you know information moves and can change in the NFL.
1: I honestly think that when, and maybe I just live in a weird Twitter echo chamber, I thought when Cream Hunt got signed, people were like, damn, that was a good signing by the Browns. Exactly.
3: It was like, oh my god, for this sure. is going to set our offense over the top. Not, hey, remember this jackass got cut for kicking a lady? Yeah, among other things. Right.
0: Yeah, I really yeah, don't have th- a good answer. Oof. I think John Dorsey got quite the cushion in terms of how much flack he can receive, it was, was part of it you think, like, oh, wait the Browns are finally going to be good after they haven't been for uh, an eternity? I think
1: that there's always that to it of like you want the yeah yeah. instead of it like I'm not saying uh, it's the morally right thing imagine if the Chiefs had re-signed him after like oh we cut him we sent a statement he got suspended eight games we re-signed him people would have flayed Andy Reid oh definitely but the whole they traded for Frank Clark yeah like (laughs) I went back and read
0: that recently that case and I I was just like Jesus Christ (laughs) man the Frank Clark So, like, I can't even I can't even sit here and be like, well, they cut their losses. They're like this is there are teams in the NFL that will give second chances. I think the Browns, the Chiefs, um, the the Seahawks, the Colts, you know, the Bengals (laughs) will. Obviously, the Redskins did. They had no problem (laughs) doing that with Ruben Foster. It's it's fascinating. And I think it's a fantastic question. It is very interesting how differently things are covered.
1: Yeah, it really is. And I will say, Mello, you said something really, really astute there that I want to pull out. Yeah, I did. The reason that Tyreek Hill has not been cut yet, I I think they are letting like the justice system handle it. Because they don't want another situation of, we're going to cut a player because we think he's going to get suspended for a year. And obviously because you don't agree with what he did. But... With Tyree Kill, like, if he's not going to get suspended, you're not cutting him.
3: And if he's only going to miss eight games, you're you're not cutting cutting him. him I
1: I don't know this from Brett Veach or Andy Reid or anyone else, but I can assume that the Chiefs would have kept Kareem Hunt if they thought it was going to be eight games. Oh, I I definitely think so, too. I think
3: they should have suspended him as a fan and not as, like, a – GM, They should have suspended him for the rest of the year and then let him miss his eight games. I, I honestly think a lot of Chiefs fans that I've talked to would even be happy with that situation.
1: All right. Call a Pat zero zero zero. Another from iTunes. If you guys are picking up what I'm putting down, leave iTunes reviews questions. I will read them. How does a college football program that lacks tradition build it? Is, is it as simple as winning or is there more to it than that? I think winning is a big part of it. I, I don't want to upset any Clemson fans. I'm not I don't want to insinuate that they didn't have tradition there, that it wasn't a, a really cool program. Dabo made that a program with a ton of tradition and a lot of prestige by winning. I mean, that's
3: what it is. Clemsoning used to be a thing where you lost big games. You don't hear that anymore. And they've built this tradition over a couple of years by winning big games and establishing. I don't know if it's something that you can go and you can fake. Uh, Texas A&M has been trying to fake it for years and pretend like they are a big-time university when everybody knows that the Aggies are not a (laughs) big-time university in Texas.
0: Yeah. I think you could be innovative with certain flashy things like Oregon. It was the uniforms all that time. And don't get me wrong. Oregon had some great seasons. I'm not discounting those, but in terms of being a powerhouse, it is about winning. I mean, that's why there was a time where Michigan, Ohio state, and obviously they still win now Alabama now Clemson. When you look at them, Notre Dame for the longest time had a history of winning way, way back. And that's why they're viewed as a traditional program. So It it all comes down to the results on the field, no matter how much creative stuff you can come up with. Well, even like Auburn, you know, like for a while there, they were
1: winning and it was like, oh shit. Like they Florida state, go to Florida state and look at what they've done. They they were, they're also an example of how to lose it. Yeah. You know, like sure. Or Miami, like you can wear all the Mm -hmm. turnover change you want. If you guys, I have a six and six year. No one cares. Uh, Two questions just from the good old Twitter machine. Kyle Kruzewski, Kruzevsky. Yep, that's it. Buy or sell Tampa Bay's optimism for Ronald Jones going into his sophomore season. I've seen very few rookie seasons as bad as Rojo's and even fewer that took a big step in their sophomore season. I haven't personally seen the hype for this. I've also, um, I haven't been on a The internet a whole lot in the last month. So maybe I missed something. I'm Adam Gasing over here, not on the internets. Uh, I liked Ronald Jones a lot. He's someone we've had on this show. Uh, Electric ability in space, but it was just not on the field last season at all. So if, you know, if Bruce Arians thinks this guy can be your David Johnson, I guess that's a good sign. But I I just. You're Amir Abdullah? (laughs)
3: Yeah, that's more like it. I I don't know about any hype coming around him, but it it felt like they were trying to replace him a lot this offseason. There were a lot of names tied to them. They were, in, I think, in the Le'Veon Bell market. They're just running back kept coming up for them. So I don't know if there is a whole lot of optimism coming into his sophomore season.
0: Yeah, I have some questions about it. It's tricky for me because I thought Rojo was a second-round player, which is really, really good. At least a second-round talent. For running back, good, especially. I, yeah, exactly. But good Lord, what a dud of a year. A dud. So if you're selling me hype that he's talented, I know that. I'm well aware of that. It, it, I want to hear the hype that he's there ready to go and buying in. And more importantly, a new coaching staff that wasn't demanding for his name to be called in the draft room, the front office obviously stands by him, but the new coaching staff, I want to know, are they buying into him? That's the most important thing here. Yeah, and sir. I
1: hope it works. To his question, I'll sell. Kind of got away from that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sell.
0: cautious. I'm pessimistic, unfortunately, because yeah. I hope he pans out.
1: Yeah, uh, the opposite of how I am with everything else where I'm just incredibly impulsive. I'm going to say no to this one. Last question from Richie Bradshaw. Tell me one... Mobile ro-
0: legend. Yeah, I, was,
1: <laughs> I was thinking of a way to... How do I work in that this guy passed out and fell asleep at the bar in Mobile? <laughs> Into his nickname. <laughs> I think you just tell the story instead. You know, There you go. Yeah, everybody knows now. <laughs> yeah, we're all friends here. It's fine. Uh, tell me one rookie season record you could see fall in 2019. Ooh. I don't think uh, we're going to see any quarterback records. <laughs> being no. Broken. Most interceptions thrown in a season. Peyton Manning, they're like 30 or something, so I don't know. Um, Daniel Jones is the next I, Eli. So. I, realistically, I think that Devin White could set the rookie single-season tackles record. He's going to have a lot of tackles there. I don't know
3: what that record is, but I feel like Leonard last year had to have been close if he didn't yeah. set it.
1: Yeah, D- he did. He broke uh, Jrell Freeman's record. Um, 174 Patrick Willis had. And then Jarrell Freeman had it, uh, and then Darius Leonard broke it last year. So um, it's it, it's be tough to break.
0: Yeah. I, and, what is the rookie sack record? Uh, I, I mean, Chubb had like 12 last year. Okay, 11 like, and a half. Uh, Von Miller. Oh, let's see. Uh, Javon Curse. had 14 Miller had and a half. Yeah, how many did Chubb
1: have total? Twelve. 13? I thought oh, it was 12. 13? Yeah, Chubb, Chubb had a ton. Yeah. I, I like how we just all say numbers instead of Googling it. Yeah, he had 12. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. The, yeah. um, we can't have uh, the on the show. I think Chubb broke it. Oh,
0: okay. Javon Curse. Yeah. The freak. That's it. Four, 14 and a half. Chubb had 12. I, so it's 14 and a half. I take that back. Nick Bosa, even if he's healthy, is not getting 15 sacks. Cleveland
1: Furl, maybe. Montez Sweat. Oh, no way. No way. 14 and a half. That's crazy. All right, guys, that is your show. Thank you so much to Nick Chubb. Thank you to Quincy Wilson, and thank you to you guys, the stickies, for holding it down with the amazing draft on draft questions. We will be back Friday morning with a great show. Hopefully more interviews, more wonderful questions. If you have any thoughts on the tailgate tour, any of the interviews, definitely hit us up. Uh, and look for Melo and I in Boston this coming weekend. Uh, pay attention to Twitter. We'll let you know where we're going to be, when we're going to be. Come out, get a koozie, get a bracelet, get a hug from Melo. We'll talk to you all real soon.